Welcome to the Wildflower Bee Farm Podcast. I'm Hank Sveck. This podcast is about helping you uh, learn and understand the different trials and tribulations of converting a 50-acre farm back to nature in a honeybee sanctuary and how we struggle to continue to be servant beekeepers. Here's this week's episode. Welcome to this episode of Wildflower Bee Farm. You know, it's been a, a just a fascinating year, and I, and I spent some time recently uh, looking again at this whole issue of, you know, when, when you see what's happening in Australia and in New Zealand, and there's a great deal of push, and there continues to be uh, very strong arguments why people should keep treating honeybees with different chemicals and even high concentrations of what are called natural products. There's more and more evidence that if we just leave them alone, they figure it out. And I've talked about the the Cuba um, experiment. You know, there's there's research out of South Africa. There's um, other parts of the world, uh, including uh, United States, and hopefully us in Canada over time, that will you know begin to help people realize that there's many different ways to manage this, but probably the best way is to create uh, your own strain of bees that are able to manage and be healthy despite what uh, the changing environment brings us. And it, it, it came to Ford again because I was looking at the um, what's happening on our farm thinking, okay, so, so we have, we're going into the winter with probably 40 to 45 strong hives. Um, some are going into their third winter um, primarily or second we have sorry we have four hives that are going into their third winter untreated for two years we have probably 20 hives going into their uh, second winter having never been treated and we have a number of um, hives that we split this season going into their first winter and so the the idea being okay let's assume you know 50 percent survival which i would call like winning the Super Bowl because I think we're going to have a brutal winter. Um, let's assume that some survive and we split them again and the drones go up and mate and, and with queens in the congregation area if there are many drones or tens of thousands of drones from traditionally treated hives who don't have the skills our, our bees are starting to develop it's highly likely that we're going to have a problem and that there'll be a higher frequency of, of queens who are unable to pass on the kind of helpful genetics uh, the bees are creating. So this is sort of the, um, I guess, the crux of the problem. Because in our situation, we want bees to swarm because swarming is one of those natural processes that help them and also propagate the genetics naturally. Um, the article I'm going to, I don't like to talk about too many articles because it could just bore you to death and just, you know, just, it's not a lot of fun. But um, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, I'm showing you different videos of bees that I have in the library. Uh, and, and while you're listening, perhaps it's helpful to watch and just um, maybe learn a bit about the entrances to the hives and you'll have questions and it'll help in your uh, role to continue to develop as a servant beekeeper. So the article I, I'm, I'm referring to was published in 2020 by Jacques J.M. Van Alphen and Bart Jan Fernhout. 
both from the Netherlands. The title is Natural Selection, Selective Breeding, and the Evolution of Resistance of Honeybees Against Varroa. Now, I bring it to your attention because it's comprehensive. It's one of the best um, critical summaries of the work that I've seen. Um, even though I'm trained as a, I was trained, I am trained as a clinical psychologist, and, and you know, you get a PhD in that world, you still do statistics and you look at meta-analysis and all kinds of ways to to assess. Oh, by the way, this was published in uh, Zoological Letters, um, which is, uh, I don't subscribe to anything. I just, it was in open access, actually. You can easily find it. Uh, the last, uh, the title again is Natural Selection, Selective Breeding, and the Evolution of Resistance of Honeybees. Should you Google that, it'll pop up and you can print it. I've, I printed it because I know I'm going to refer it and reread it many times. It's such a powerful article. I'm bringing it to your attention today because in the article they talk about a number of things we're doing on the farm, including, you know, spreading your bee hives apart, allowing them to swarm. Um, in our war hives, we have four war hives now. Of course, the bees can create their own cells and cell size because there's no, um, you know, there's no um, Langstroth type frames. We also have Langstroth hives. We have log hives. We have top bar hives. And uh, in the Langstroth area, we have hives anywhere from five frames that have survived, you know, the winter last year to um, five and five, where we have five. Uh, on the on the base and then five above we have um, logs that have been hollowed out and so we've tried every type of you know container if you will for the bees to choose um, no idea why they pick what they do I think I, I've talked about the ratty Langstroth the, the one swarm pick this year that you know they had to carry out skeleton of a mouse and we kept showing that in the uh, <laughs> of all the of all the uh, homes you could pick, that wouldn't be one I'd select. But anyway, I'm not a bee. I bring this article for your attention because, of course, it goes through the um, you know the varroa hygiene type behavior that uh, the bees have. Everything from clearing out um, infected larvae to self grooming. Those two things seem to be significant, as well as you know comparison with different genetics and different things that have happened around the world. The one that I had never heard of before was called the brood effect. And this is another sort of supporting issue of why you may want to think twice before you treat your um, hives with um, pesticides or high concentrations of organic material that actually has an infusion into the brood cells that are capped. Because according to this science, uh, that these authors have uncovered, there is emerging evidence that bees, as they develop resistance, the actual larvae in the brood, after capped, has a way to stop the varroa mite from reproducing. Now, this, this fact just kind of blew me away. There's no uh, clear evidence of what happens. There's some hypotheses. And they call it um, basically uh, brood effects. And in one study, uh, they took European honeybees and African honeybees, and they introduced combs of Africanized and European honeybee larvae into mite-infested Africanized bee colonies. 
In European honeybees, 75% of the infested brood cells had female mites that reproduced, while in the Africanized honeybees, this was only 49%. Now, as only the origin of the brood was different, a factor of something in the brood apparently affected the reproductive success of the mites. Now, we don't know what that is. We have no idea. But the point is, Africanized bees are known to be resistant to mites and other diseases. They're also fairly aggressive. So, you know, most beekeepers, and I think I, I went through this a couple of years ago, I had an extremely aggressive hive um, that was pretty aggressive. And it was in the first group I brought back after we had failed in our first trial of this project. And they would go after you within probably 75 to 100 feet of the of the entrance when they they knew they could tell you were there and they'd, they'd come after you. So I, I went through this whole debate, you know, what do you do? I looked at the science. Some people said euthanize. Some people said whatever. So I, I requeened them and all that. No, I just took the hive. I got all suited up, took the hive to the back of our forest, the very back, and just left them. And to, that was two years ago. Now they're going into their third winter. They are one of our most interesting hives. They're no longer aggressive. We put a box on them every year for honey in the past two years, and they've produced in about three weeks a full box of honey. And this is in July and August, and then we just leave them alone. We take it off in August, and then they're fine. We'll see what happens to them this year because this is their, because this is their third winter. Uh, we'll see how they survive. We've also split them, and the splits are not aggressive. Um, so there's something about Africanized bees that, that allow them to, and, and it's thought to be the self-cleaning, the more aggression, and the uh, varroa hygiene type behavior. But clearly, you have to let bees develop and adapt the skills to be able to learn them. There is also evidence in this article that the majority of the changes in the resistant bees is genetic and it's passed on and so the idea being the more of this that happens the more of the darwinian black bee box technique that people use and there are more bees out there eventually all the bees that swarm will have some traits and we will continue to develop resistance which is what has happened around the world so I strongly urge you to have a look at this article, at least keep it in your library and, and you know, look at parts of it or keep it on your computer. Um, there are some, you know, basic things we can do, uh, and we're trying them all on the farm. I think you know that. Uh, last week I talked about the 10 servant beekeeper strategies, and, and the majority of the things that we're doing are, are as part of this uh, creation of a strain of our own bees. Uh, that will go out there and uh, take on these things. Now, now there's one thing we have to discuss that no one seems to discuss. And in this research, there's nothing about habitat. So I think, you know, we have to really consider the fact that in our project, the bees have the best habitat you can imagine because we've created it for them. There's, from the time uh, the temperature is warm enough for them to leave the hive until frost, uh, they have food. Uh, there are flowers, you know, it starts with trees and then flowers and then more flowers and then clover, all kinds of clover. And it ends off with uh, and just an incredible amount of goldenrod and aster 
that finishes off the year for them. And so outside of the practices we use, the actual habitat has to be considered. And I think we need a way to quantify that or, or measure that in the sense of just talking about in a paragraph when your bees are successful, what's life like around there for them? You know, what food's available? Um, in my case, I've talked about, you know, we live in, a, in an intensive Agent Orange farm community. So, you know, Roundup is used all around us. And the goal is to try to keep our bees on the farm and not have them go. But when, you know, we also have fruit farmers down the road within a kilometer who, um, you know, have apples and um, cherries and peaches and all kinds of things that will bloom and they will spray in the middle of the day fungicides and other things that we know are detrimental to our bees. And it's pretty hard. I mean, we can't keep our bees on the farm when there's a, you know, 10 acre apple orchard blooming down the road to keep them here. So we're going to see how this project develops, but all we can do is learn. And I think, as you know, if you follow, we've, we've put the uh, sheep wool and the uh, moisture blankets on all our hives this year and anticipating that will help them even, uh, you know, better able to handle the cold and the change in weather and the humidity that comes with that and the ability to survive. So I'm Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. Have a look at this article if you can, uh, Natural Selection, Selective Breeding and the Evolution of Resistance of Honeybees Against Varroa. I'm not suggesting you stop, don't stop doing whatever you're doing. I'm just saying that this seems to be emerging science that's becoming more and more accepted that if we stop treating bees and engage in, in you know, management practices that are conducive to health, uh, we're going to be through this problem very quickly. You have an amazing day and I'll talk to you again next time. To learn more about how honeybees can help you in your investing and personal life, go to investlikeahoneybee.com. There you'll learn how listening to the honeybees helped us in so many ways and can help you. Investlikeahoneybee.com